Welcome to the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Nadia Dela Cruz, founder of the Wayne Dyer Wisdom community on Facebook and angeltarot.org. Now, I just launched a brand new website for this podcast. If you haven't seen it yet, you can go to www.nadiadelacruz.com. So if you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're coming back to listen to another episode, welcome back. And today I want to talk to you about The day that Wayne Dyer described as the most significant day of his life, and that was when he forgave his father. So if we go back to the origins of little Wayne, he was put into an orphanage with his brother David when he was really young. And that's because his father had abandoned the family. So his father was an alcoholic, he was abusive to his mother, and really just took off, never provided any financial support. Wayne never saw him his whole life. And he actually carried a lot of rage. He said that he would regularly have nightmares about seeing his father, meeting him in a bar, and getting into fistfights. And this was in his 30s. You know, Wayne carried this around for a really long time. And if you've ever had someone hurt you, especially if it's a family member, you know, it's so common to carry the wound of that around. And it impacts our lives in ways that we don't always understand. So Wayne was already doing pretty good in life, right? He was married. He'd had a daughter and he was a professor in New York and, you know, doing pretty well for himself. But in hindsight, he said his life was actually kind of a mess. He wasn't eating very well. He maybe wasn't making the best decisions um, just for the quality of his life and didn't really realize there was something holding him back until this series of synchronicities came together that ended up with him forgiving his father, which was not his plan. So let's go back a little bit. Um, Wayne had actually received a call from a cousin that he didn't know that he had back in about 1970, that his dad had died in 1964 in New Orleans, that his body was being shipped to Biloxi, um, Mississippi for burial. So Wayne had heard a few years before that his dad was dead, Um, which was probably pretty troubling because unlike his other two brothers, he really wanted to meet his father. I think he wanted to confront him. He wanted to know if his father even acknowledged his existence. So he knew his dad was dead and he wanted to go try and find the grave and find the death certificate and see if his name was even listed. So in 1974, he was teaching a summer course at St. John's University, and that was to finish on August 28th. He was offered an extra assignment to go to the University for Women in Columbus, Mississippi. So he went there for the weekend. He interviewed students and teachers for a couple of days and wrote up a summary. And afterwards, he went to Biloxi. So he had been looking forward to this opportunity 
to look for the grave. So when he's on the campus at the University for Women in Columbus, Mississippi, he goes to the only rental car company that was there. And they rent him this Dodge, and it's got this new car smell. And the odometer reads like 0.8 miles. He was the first person to drive the car. In fact, he went to put the seatbelt on and it wasn't there. So he had to take out the entire bench seat to find the seatbelt that was taped to the floor of the vehicle underneath where the seat was. And the buckle was wrapped in plastic and it had an elastic band around it. So he had to unwrap the whole thing. And when he did that, he found this business card stuck inside the buckle. And it was for the Candlelight Inn in Biloxi. Now he thought, well, that's kind of interesting because Biloxi's 200 miles away. Here he is in Columbus. So, but okay, well, that was weird. He tucks the card into his shirt pocket and he, you know, drives for a couple hours until he gets to Biloxi. So he stops at a gas station phone booth and he looks up the cemeteries. There were three and he calls all three of them. Now, the first one, he gets a busy signal. The second one, nobody answers. But the third one, somebody picked up. And that was an elderly Southern gentleman. And um, so Wayne says, you know, I'm looking for my father's grave. And he's like, sure, let me check. And Wayne's left standing there in a phone booth. He says, for a full 10 minutes. Like, he doesn't think the guy's ever going to come back. Maybe he forgot about him. And just as he's about to hang up, that man comes back on the line and says, yes, your father is buried here. So he's asking about, you know, where is this? And the man tells him, well, it's not really a real cemetery, but it's a place where indigent or poor people are buried. And it's on the grounds of the Candlelight Inn. You got it, folks. The man asks if he needs directions and Wayne says, no, actually, I have it right here. He pulls the card out of his pocket and there is a map on the back to the candlelight Inn. I mean, if you don't get chills when you hear that, it's just, it's the most amazing synchronicity. I mean, he rents this car and it happens to be a brand new car. He's the first person to drive it. Why in the world there was a business card stuck in the buckle for a town 200 miles away is anybody's guess. You know, maybe the angels were work. I don't know how that happens, but it definitely happened for a reason. So uh, there's a quote from Wayne saying, shaking, I drive to the little shack where the gentleman shows me my father's death certificate. It has been filed away in a battered cardboard Coca-Cola box for 10 years. The certificate is stained and musty, and I note with some degree of satisfaction that my name and the names of my two brothers are listed as his surviving sons. He did know that he had a son named Wayne. I wonder who put it there and what he ever said to anyone about my brothers and me. I can only imagine what he was feeling in that moment. Surely the surprise of being able to locate the grave and the certificate, maybe it felt like he got some closure when he saw that his name was on there. But is anything ever going to take back 
what his father did, what his father did to his mother, the absence in his life. And Wayne was so mad. You know, like I said, he kept having these nightmares about getting into fights with his dad. They'd been plaguing him. You know, he would wake up in a cold sweat. And he tells us that he actually came with the intention of pissing on his father's grave. That's how mad he was. So what ends up happening is even more of a surprise. So Wayne is directed to a grassy knoll above a driveway at the Candlelight Inn with a chain across it. And he finds a grave marker, Melvin Lyle Dyer, 1914 to 1964. And Wayne says, that's it. That's how we meet. I mean, it's so chilling because his dad left when he was a baby. So really, he has no memory of him. And when he would talk about his father later, after the forgiveness had taken place, he would say, this man was my greatest teacher because he taught me how to forgive and that, you know, maybe he did what he needed to do. He was a vehicle for bringing Wayne into this world. So Wayne's now at the grave and for two and a half hours, he stands there talking to his father, crying out loud, not paying attention to what's going on around him, just really letting it all out. He's demanding answers. After all that time, he starts to feel a sense of relief and becomes quiet. He says the calmness is overwhelming. And he's sure that his father is there with him. He's no longer talking to a gravestone, but a soul. He wipes his tears and he says goodbye to this man who was his father. He's heading back to his car But all of a sudden, he feels like he needs to go back. So he turns around and he walks back to the grave. And there's this overwhelming peace, this grace that comes over him. And he says, I send you love. I send you love. From this moment on, I send you love. It was a pivotal turning point, one that would only show its true impact in hindsight. And Wayne said, I somehow feel as if I were sent here today and that you had something to do with it, speaking about his father. I don't know what your role is or even if you have one, but I am certain that the time has come to abandon this anger and hatred that I have carried around so painfully for so long. I want you to know that as of this moment right now, all of that is gone. I forgive you. And now Wayne feels a kind of peace and cleansing that is entirely new for him. It's like for the first time in his life, he's truly free. So Wayne goes back home to New York and then directly heads down to Fort Lauderdale, and he books himself into the Spindrift Hotel. He'd been thinking about writing a book for a long time, but for some reason, the timing just hadn't been right. All of a sudden, what he'd been probably stressing over, thinking about for a long time, just poured out of him. He writes all night 
for 14 days straight the entire manuscript for Euronius Owns. Now, that was his first book written for a public audience. He had written a few uh, textbooks and academic papers before that, but this was his passion project. This is what he really wanted to get out into the world. And all of a sudden, here it is. You know, he didn't know how it was going to come together. I think there's a real lesson in that for us because there may be something that you feel called to do. There may be something that you know you're going to create someday. And I want to assure you that if you stay open to it and you follow the guidance that comes from within and you pay attention to those synchronicities and you listen to those things that are happening, those opportunities that come knocking, there will be the perfect opportunity for your dreams to manifest. And this was Wayne's. So Euronius Owns, um, I talk more about the story of that in Wayne Dyer's origin story. It's the second episode on this podcast. But long story short, that book sells over 100 million copies. Um, it's obviously on the bestseller list for a long time. And it's one that he's still well known for. So at this point, his whole life changes. He starts eating better. He's exercising. He actually adopts an exercise routine that he will continue religiously for decades. And, you know, he's dealing with some of the relationships in his life that weren't working. I think everything felt different. Now, this story was put into a movie that Hay House brought to us called My Greatest Teacher. And there is an actor who plays Wayne, the young Wayne in the movie. Um, but Dr. Wayne Dyer does have a cameo in that as well. And I think, I think it's really worth checking that out. It's really well done. And it gives you kind of the feeling of what Wayne went through in a way that translates to all of us. You know, I think it's our most personal stories that are really the most universal. And this was how he learned the power of forgiveness. So in his book, I Can See Clearly Now, he writes that, Today, if asked what is the most significant experience of my life, I respond with the events of August 30th, 1974 in Biloxi, Mississippi, forgiving and loving him and cleansing my soul of the toxicity that living with internal rage had brought. You know, he used to tell us that nobody ever dies of a snake bite. It's not the bite that kills you. It's the venom that continues to flow through your veins after the bite. And that's what hatred does. That's what grudges do. When you forgive someone, when you let go of something, it's setting yourself free. It's not about whether that person deserved it. It's that you need to move on. And when we take radical acceptance for all the conditions of our life, then we can make changes, only then. Because if we're saying that what happened in my life is somebody else's fault, it's because of somebody else that I'm living the kind of life that I am, then you're stuck. You know, and everything that Wayne wanted to teach us that he did teach us was about 
setting yourself free from these old stories was about taking your power back and seeing that when you change the way you think about things, your whole life changes. Everything feels different, looks different, becomes different. You have access to what it is that you are in alignment with. So when you change the way you feel, then you become in alignment with new things better things, joyful things, things that can bring you to a place of feeling whole and alive and on purpose. Maybe the most significant thing for me about this story is that 41 years later, Dr. Wayne Dyer died on the anniversary of this forgiveness the day that he described as the most significant day of his life was also the day that he died, August 30th, 2015. Wayne Dyer said that his favorite forgiveness quote is the one from Mark Twain, forgiveness is the fragrance that the violet sheds on the heel that has crushed it. Send love in response to hate. And then we become spiritual alchemists. You know, Wayne said he didn't forgive his father for his father's sake. He did it for his own as well. And he quotes from A Course in Miracles that says, If you didn't blame, there would be nothing to forgive. So forgiveness means that we've blamed somebody. That we've said this is your fault. And instead, what if... We felt compassion. To believe that everyone is simply doing the best they can given the conditions of their life and forgive them. We're all on our own path. We all have our own lessons. And, you know, we can learn so much. And if I know one thing for sure, it's that our darkest moments can be our greatest teachers. Forgiveness can set you free to move past pain and into a life of loving and serving. What is it that you have to bring out into the world? Don't let anger hold you back from that. Let the baggage of your past behind. Send love in response to hate and be free. Thank you for joining me for this episode Thank you for following the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast and telling your friends about it. You can go to www.nadiadelacruz.com to learn more about the podcast, listen to the episodes, and there is a form there where you can request to come and be a guest, and I would love to talk to you. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Namaste. Namaste.